C A M P A D U L T H O O D Camp Adulthood Bridging the Millennial Divide One conversation at a time Interviewing guests Strangers and friends We hope that you enjoy your stay at Camp Adulthood Hi and welcome to Camp Adulthood I'm Camp Adulthood, Shay Keats and I'm Maddie Ergie, the resident youth. Maddie, it's so wonderful to see your beautiful face here on Skype tonight. I know. I can't see you, but you can see me, so that's exciting. That is making me a little nervous that my uh, camera is no longer working in my Skype. Oh, I, mean, I think it's just because I just recently uh, redid the like Skype thing. Like, I just re-downloaded it, so it's mm-hmm. like... I think the it's one- new modern technology so much modern technology look at us this is very exciting you're back i think this is the first episode we've recorded since recorded palooza well i guess we recorded with alana but the first one just us yes yes very Very exciting exciting. well before we jump in do we want to read our email from a fan yeah i was really excited um We have asked you, dear listeners, before to please send in your thoughts and definitely send in if we say something, you know, when we're just way off base um, about some things, please correct us. So we have a wonderful uh, reader submission or listener submission here um, and talking about our episode that we did with the lovely uh, KP, Kristen. Um, So it's a two-parter Maddie, would you like to take part one and I'll take part two? Sure. Do you have it pulled up? I do have, or I can just read it all if you would prefer. I have it all pulled up. Great. I'll re- I'll do part one. Sure. Why okay. Not? I'll do part one Go. and then we'll stop. Do okay. And just a shout out for the KP episode. If you haven't listened, it's a great one. So if you're a new yeah. fan, just joining us. All right. So this person says, hello, Shay and Maddie. Just had the pleasure of listening to KP's episode of Camp Adulthood. And here are some thoughts. Part one. I would argue that pro-life and pro-choice do not exist on the same spectrum. I would consider myself both pro-life and pro-choice, being that I don't think that I would ever personally get an abortion, i.e. pro-life, but I also believe that every person should have the opportunity to get one if they think it is necessary, i.e. pro-choice. Also, on the pro-life thread, I am much more into avoiding pregnancy to begin with, i.e. access to contraceptives and education. I do absolutely agree that the marketing behind abortion sucks, so it bums me out that a lot of people believe that building a career and being a mother are mutually exclusive. It is only further asserting normative ideas of family, womanhood, etc., while pro-choice is supposedly tied to feminism. I digress. The politicization of abortion makes absolutely no sense to me. Even just the rhetoric of pro-life and pro-choice does not equal anti-rights or pro-abortion. Just like I choose not to buy a gun, but support to an extent the Second Amendment, I choose not to have an abortion, though I have never been pregnant, so I don't know how I would feel in that situation, but also choose to have the right to, should I want to, i.e. be pro-life and pro-choice. So now part two, Shay. Yeah, um, well, before we go into part two, Maddie, did you have any thoughts or comments on our listeners' uh, submission here on part one of it? Yeah, I think part one, I, I think it kind of echoed what the three of us were saying in KP's episode that the the branding or the marketing, so to speak, on both sides of the abortion debate are 
pretty poor. Mm -hmm. I definitely agree with that. And I think that a lot of people on this, in this topic are very of two minds, be it, you know, like the listener was saying, and I think we kind of echoed it in that episode as well, that, you know, you might feel in your personal life differently from how you feel politically or how you would vote or something like that. Um, So I think to think that, oh, there's only one right, there's only one right way to think, or there's only one correct thing is just not, that's not how the world works. The world is not black and white. So I thought she put it very succinctly. She did. I agree. And I really have felt um, the same way. And then, of course, the things that uh, stuck out to me that I really, um, you know, I really want to underscore because I think this is something that as women we should all be talking about and we should all be, you know, voting about. And uh, Election Day was just a few was just last week. And that's um, that, when you know, when she talks about why aren't we focusing on preventing the pregnancies in the first place. So when our politicians and our government is trying to take away our access to birth control, again, you can choose to or to not take it uh, based on your own personal beliefs or religion, etc. But that it should be available and that it should be available on a wider scale and that the conversation about I also, you know, I think the conversation about birth control and the conversation about abortion are related, but different as well. And we have to be careful. We're not, not that she is looping them in into the same conversation, but I think a lot of people um, kind of in the big, big scheme of things are. Right. I agree with that. Okay. Ready for part two. I am ready for part two. Um, So part two, uh, additionally, Having a Bachelor of Arts in U.S. History, what a smarty our listener is, Um, I would like to just make a quick comment about wave theory. And if Shay here can interject, um, I'm so glad that she has written us about this because I was like totally wrong about everything that I said. I mean, not totally wrong. So please take this. This is the correct explanation. It's also Uh, like as a side note to that, not to get too off the rails before we, you know, not to digress too far, but... I think, you know, I've, I think obviously this podcast, a lot of it is, you know, off the cuff conversations and that's by design. We want it to be a little bit more loosey goosey. And a lot of the times we're just presenting a topic and this is not, you know, NPR, This American Life, they do that better than we ever will. So not trying to compete with that, but I think what this listener did really well is like, you know, like you brought up wave theory because I am a noob and I know nothing about anything. And I was like, (laughs) I literally don't know anything about feminism other than what I read in, you know, Vanity Fair or Roxane Gay's Twitter feed. So like you were giving me like the down and dirty so that I could participate in the conversation with KP, but obviously our listener, which you're about to read, put a lot more thought and energy into it. So it's very nice. She did the work well, for us. Again, we love to encourage all of our listeners to uh, participate in this way. Um, so our listener says, wave theory exists in every historical conversation, i.e. civil rights, imperialism, etc. But I would argue that most commonly, uh, wave theory of feminism is most talked about. And I and many historians would also argue against the use of wave theory. Waves, in hindsight, typically only seem to have occurred when there was some sort of breakthrough i.e. first wave feminism in the 1860s for women's suffrage occurred because of Seneca Falls. 
Uh, Second wave, 1920s, for women's suffrage occurred when women got the right to vote. Third wave, 1960s, occurred due to the Civil Rights Act. And I would also add um, the widespread availability of the pill. Um, And then some argue there was a fourth wave. Shout out to the pill, the real MVP. Shout out to the pill. Um, A fourth wave during the, the 90s that focused on intersectionality. I think it is easy to think that we are currently in a new wave of feminism, Because feminism is a hot topic today. But this does not take into account that feminism has always been a hot topic. The wave theory suggests that feminism or a certain division of feminism was only active during a certain time period and then somehow dropped off the face of the earth. When in reality, all of these agendas, suffrage, equal rights, equal pay, equal appreciation, etc. existed long before the wave that categorizes them and continue to exist as well. So uh, thank you, listener. Yeah, I think that's very succinct. I don't even know what Seneca Fall is, so I'm going to do some Googling after this. Um, yes, uh, Seneca Falls was a like a ladies' convention there in uh, the yes. 1800s, but we should all find out more uh, more official definition than ladies' convention. Yeah, so. no, but I think I think that's great, and obviously everything has to be boiled down to its succinct bits when you're, you know, having a conversation with someone, but it's nice to take a step back and kind of get more uh, color behind these things. Yeah, for sure. So, great. All right, Shay, do you want to start with your millennial moment of the week? Yeah, I mean, I have to say, um, I was actually really struggling to, to find my millennial moment because I, I think I'm, in my personal life here, struggling with some things that are very millennial, but I don't in relation to work and searching for a job and figuring out where my, um, you know, my experience falls and being, you know, feeling entitled and then feeling bad about feeling entitled, but then remembering how I've worked my ass off for 10 years and maybe I should be entitled. So that's all kind of percolating in my brain a little bit. And I, um, not quite ready, I think, to have that be my official millennial moment. So, um, as a millennial who really loves her dog, I want to tell a story about Benson and I want to invite, you know, any fellow millennial dog owners out there to give me advice because I'm about to lose my damn mind. <laughs> um, so Benson is delightful, as we all know, and I love her so much and she's perfect, but she has never had a yard before and we're currently staying with some family here in Portland and um, they have a beautiful backyard. Uh, Benson would like to be in the backyard at all times. In her ideal world, she would be in the backyard at all times while I stood there and watched her um, dig holes and fling flower pots into the air and do any other number of bad things. So um, I just, you know, I really want her to have a good life, but she's also annoying the living bejesus out of me. So... I've been having a lot of conversations with experienced dog owners who want me to squirt her in the face with a water bottle when she starts whining to go out incessantly or to start using a shot collar. And oh, yeah, no, don't do that. Just cannot. I've actually heard not. Of those I'm not a dog owner, but I listen to a podcast that's hosted by a former dog handler in the military, and he has done like full episodes on shot collars and choke collars and even in that setting like they're very ill-advised 
So, oh. well, I was I can not send that to you. It, but it felt very because I feel like the people who have encouraged me to use both of those um, methods are definitely not millennials. They are Gen X and Boomers, and they just think I'm crazy because I will not consider using a shock collar to curb this very annoying behavior. But as a millennial, I am like, this is my baby. I can't shock her. I think the better way to do it, and this is obviously I haven't owned a dog, but I've seen like my aunt and uncle have a dog that's very well behaved. And my uncle, he like works from home and he's around all the time with the dog, which is kind of similar to what you're facing now like trying to get work done from home and stuff. And Mm -hmm. I think the dog used to be much more of a nightmare. Obviously it's mellowed out in its older age, but they've done such a good job of giving the dog a routine and then ignoring him. Like when it's not time for the routine. Um, And I think that's worked really well for them that the dog knows, okay, like when I go outside, I get to go outside for an hour And it's usually, like, around this time of day, like, it's right after. Because dogs don't have a concept of time, obviously. But they understand, like, 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 oh, when I go outside, like, after my meal. Yeah. Right. So that would be my unsolicited advice. But I I highly, I highly uh, appreciate that. And we are working on it because um, mommy also needs a schedule because we're all having problems doing what we need to do at the appropriate time. So, yeah, Um, I think it's just, it's like having kids. It's like, you don't want your kids to be the center of your schedule, your life. And when it starts to be that way, you have to be like, all right, dog, we are setting some boundaries. Exactly. And you just got to put headphones on and be like, Benson, you're going to cry. And then she'll get over it eventually. I think. Yeah. I think part of my problem too, is we, I'm like, I mentioned, I'm staying with my very kind and generous family up here and they also work from home. So it's Mm. a lot of whining a lot of people yeah be mitigated for a lot of people but um yes so millennial shay did not want to even think about using force on her poor baby puppy no it's bad for the dog and it just gives the dog according to the this podcast um it just gives the dog an anxiety disorder which you oh. then have to deal with and then your dog will start like being somewhat afraid of their living environment and then you run the risk of her like having accidents inside and stuff that you don't want to deal with jesus so uh what's the name of this podcast um it's called zero blog 30 and it's a uh military podcast and it's hosted by um a guy who used to be a military dog handler in the marines and another guy who was a um a captain i think in the army and they're retired now and they like blog and do podcasting and stuff and so they talk about um one of them hosts like they they're co-hosts of the zero block 30 podcast but then one of them hosts a podcast about being a dad called pod fathers which is really funny um less relatable to me but i've listened to a couple episodes and it's funny and then the other guy hosts the no quitters podcast which is about mtv's the challenge so they're kind of a motley crew i love it all right, so Maddie, what is uh, your millennial moment of the week? Um, so I guess this is a little bit of a preview since I know next week, just shout out for our listeners. I know we're a little all over the place kind of because we're recording this episode and we're releasing it in the same week. But a lot of times, you know, obviously record a Palooza, we recorded a bunch and then we uh, continue to release over time. So sometimes 
you don't know where in time and space we are, but this is the week before Thanksgiving, and I'm hosting my very first Thanksgiving next week in my apartment. What, Maddie? This is so exciting. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. You have your whole... Tell me everything. Yes. I love So... It's two parts. I thought it was a perfect millennial moment because it's two parts. So first part is very adult. So it started, I didn't know what I was going to do for Thanksgiving. And I, you know, um, like was invited to go to a friend's place. And I was like, all right, I'm going to do that. And then I was talking to my parents and they were like, oh, well, if it's just you and Corey, like, you know, maybe you can do something just the two of you. And I was like, yeah, maybe that sounds nice. Like just having something low key. Like I don't want to go anywhere. And, you know, I work so much. It'd be nice just to do something the two of us. And then it kind of snowballed into being like a six person party. And so I'm like, all right, having a very adult dinner party situation to have appetizers and stuff. And then the flip side, the trash bag side, because obviously, you know, every millennial moment, it's like, you know, gold plated shit right it's like so my parents felt bad and I think they felt bad that I wasn't coming home and like I've been working so much and stuff so they offered to cater my Thanksgiving dinner so I'm not actually cooking anything Maddie I love it where are they catering it in from uh Whole Foods and it looks delicious oh my god that is amazing yeah so I have to go to the Whole Foods at 3 p.m on Thanksgiving and pick up my food and then I just like It's all pre-cooked, and I just kind of warm it up when we're ready to eat. Oh, my God. I love that, and I love everything about that story. Yeah. It's amazing, although I want to potentially one-up you for the Thanksgiving millennial moment of the week. Do it. So um, about a month ago, I was in L.A. or in San Diego um, hanging out with my stepsister, who is an amazing, awesome young woman, and we were talking about what we wanted to do. She's, um, 27. So she's also a millennial. And we were, she's like, Oh, are you coming, um, down to California for Thanksgiving? Cause my, my like personal rule has been for the past seven years since I moved to New York that I don't travel on Thanksgiving. And if I do travel, it's like generally not to see family or it's to see like a specific, not to see my immediate family. Um, and I was like, well, you know, I kind of have this like rule but I'm so much closer now and she's like yeah you know I hate Thanksgiving because turkey's gross and I was like yeah but I really should come down and see you guys so we got to talking and what we're doing for Thanksgiving and I'm very excited we are doing a Thanksgiving make your own pizza party (gasps) that's amazing make your own ice cream sundae bar and yes there are like boomers that have agreed to do this my dad and stepmom are as long as we have a side of stuffing are all gung-ho for it so um i felt like that was quite uh yeah. necessarily millennial but no it's, it's nice i mean it's like with it's all the the beauty of thanksgiving is just being with people you know it doesn't matter yeah. the food that you're eating maddie that's sweet i love you it is it's very sweet yeah we'll see how my uh thanksgiving turns out and uh, I also, this is like not to hijack before we get into our hot no, topic. No, please do. I guess we're only 20 minutes in, so I can tell this story. <laughs> so many people, so many, have texted me or contacted me on social media wondering what the aftermath of the bunk bed situation is. So I want to talk about it one more time oh, just to put it to yeah. bed. Because the last talk time we about talked it. about it, I think it might have been during the Becca episode when, like, 
Corey was here, but he had only been here for like a month. Yeah. Like, we talked about it the first time during Mike's episode, and then I think it's come up a couple times, but like nothing really conclusive. So, just want to put it to bed, and since people are so interested, gotta give the fans what they want. Tell um, us, so, for now, maybe I'll invite Corey in here and he can give it a side. Or actually not, because it's my podcast, so I can say what I want. Um, so, I actually really like the non-bunk bed situation. Like, mm. just the normal Excellent. bed. Yeah, because I really... And this is going to sound sappy, and I can't believe I'm, like, you know, getting <laughs> soft in my old age. But I think what everyone was telling me that was, like, oh, it's nice to, like, wake up next to someone and being able to cuddle them. Like, it really is nice. That's not just, like, bullshit that people say. No. Um, so, like, that's been really nice. And it's worked out, and this is, like gonna sound weird but I think it's really important out of the two of us I'm the one that like runs really warm and so like his body temperature like when I like touch him in the night you know like if our body parts touch or whatever like he feels cold to the touch so it's actually quite refreshing to him though I'm like vampire (laughs) he might be hey Corey (laughs) he's not listening he has his PlayStation headphones on Mm. oh no he's coming Oh god, I've opened a can of worms. Maybe he, we can I cut this out. Does he have pants on? Are you a vampire? No. Shay wants to know if you're wearing pants. He is wearing pants. <laughs> How do you feel <laughs> about the bunk bed situation? Pretty neutral. He's neutral on the bunk beds. Okay, cool. Oh. Bye. Shay says hello. Hi, Shay. Hey, Corey. Um, He's neutral. I think I'm anti-bunk bed at this point. I think he's neutral because I have a bad habit of uh, stealing the covers, so I've been told. And uh, I... Oh, he just said, you do. Cool. So we have cooperation on that. And I have a uh, tendency to uh, starfish in the middle of the bed, meaning I just lie in the middle of the bed with my limbs outstretched. Yeah. And so he gets pushed into the corner and I also run very hot so he gets very sweaty and uncomfortable and I'm just like you know sleeping there with all the covers and a nice temperature so basically the moral of the story is I thought that I was going to be annoyed by the bed situation turns out I'm loving it and (laughs) Corey is neutral so well thank you for that update very very interesting and uh, I'm sure all of our listeners will be happy to know good good so, do you want to start with the campfire portion? Uh, sure. Uh, I actually have, well, I have my official campfire topic, and then I have a little side note. Um, so, maybe I'll do my little follow-up one first. Great. Uh, the Sounds first good. Is I, we had talked about, we've talked about the book, um, iGen, and then in turn, Generation Me, uh, by, again, Jean M. Twinge, PhD. Um, So I finally got both of them out of the library, and I was really excited to read them and, like, bring little fun facts here. And I'm definitely still going to read iGen, but the copy I got from um, our library here in Oregon uh, was not the revised and updated edition, uh, edition. And when I got it, I was like, oh, this was published in, like, 2005. Like, this is completely irrelevant now. Like, we're, you know, what, 12 years later? Um, so I looked up to see if there was a revised and updated edition, and there is. Um, so I'm going to get that and then read that. So I wanted to invite any listeners uh, who may be interested in joining me um, in a Generation Me 
uh, read-along book club situation, uh, do that. I may be posting, uh, sorry, Maddie, I'm just telling you this right now. Um, maybe I'll post some things on the Instagram because you all know I won't Twitter. So, um, that's fine. The Twitter is exclusively for posts about how much we don't like Shay. Okay, great. I love it. The anti-Shay club. Uh, but my favorite thing, so two things about this book that I'm excited about. Um, the first is that it's not, I, she, uh, lumps, um, Gen X, ancient millennials and regular millennials all together in this generation me. Uh, so that's fun. Uh, second of all, the revised edition, the cover has a girl in a crop top with a generation me tattooed on her belly. So I think that's some real poor book. I mean, maybe like if it was a tramp stamp, I could kind of get it, but like totally no, no. Right on the lower belly. Belly tattoo. The only person that has a belly tattoo is the uh, the nurse from the Mindy Project. Oh, yeah. Uh, Morgan. Yes. So, all right. So my actual uh, hot topic for today, which I am super excited about. So, Maddie, do you know what my favorite thing about Christmas is? You're never um, going to guess. Buying me presents. Well, I do like to buy you presents, and this is somewhat related to that, but not 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 totally. Okay, what's your favorite thing about Christmas? Okay, so I love gift guides, uh, holiday catalogs, any and all, anything like that. I once yelled at a roommate that was not you because she threw away some holiday catalogs before I had time to sufficiently look through them. Blasphemous. So I'm just so excited because it's the season of gift guides and I've been reading them avidly. Um, So there were two things I wanted to point out that I thought were hysterical. Um... The first is our friends at Bustle, we love Bustle, did an article or a slideshow that said uh, 27 insanely clever gifts on Amazon trending with millennials. And it was a little annoying because I felt like, again, this is just cool stuff that anyone would like. It is not necessarily related to millennials, but um, just to refresh what they say millennials would like, a lot of stuff that has charcoal in it, so like soap and teeth nonsense. Is that stuff uh, good for you or is it bad for you? Not to like derail. I've never used the the tooth stuff, but I used to use some charcoal face soap that I really liked. Okay. Um, I'm sure it's fine. Yeah. Uh, then there's some like under eye gel. Again, don't know why that's particularly for uh, millennials. Um some lots of like I mean it's bustle so it's a lot of like face things okay this I did did think was very millennial um it's the Yonana's frozen healthy dessert maker for $48 again this is all from Amazon and it basically makes you like what is that place in New York Chloe's makes the banana Uh, Mm -hmm. mush so basically it's that um I mean just stuff that I think is just generally not for millennials Besides that one, um, hold on, I'm going. Oh, but this thing, I want it. At any of my family members that are listening right now, close your eyes. I mean, close your ears because this is what <laughs> I'm going to buy. It is a bowl that gives you amazing homemade popcorn in the microwave, and it looks mm. amazing. And I'm going to buy it for myself, and it's only nine dollars. That's amazing. Um, more charcoal soap. I don't know why millennials love charcoal. Coconut oil. I guess that is technically like. Millennials are really into buying coconut oil. Um, but a lot of them, I guess what makes these millennial is that it relates back to like self-care. So this is funny. 
a tray to make baths more productive. Um, so there's like a place for your little soaps and your glass of wine and your iPad so you can like work while you're in the bathtub. Um, and then this thing that I find really gross, it's a, the Snow Senda Fidget Toy Squeeze a Bean Stress Toy, $8 for three of these. And it's like little pea pods and you pop a pea out of them. I find it very weird. That seems strange. Again, I feel like that's more of an eye gen It's like that weird slime stuff. Um, and then there's, uh, what do you meme adult party game? Oh, I've actually played that and it's super fun. Is it fun and do you think it would be appropriate for a 15 year old? Um. I want to get it for my cousin. I mean, honestly, I don't think I should be the judge because like, I think 15, eh, I mean, 15 is like old enough that it's like, you're, but you like know what, what's up. You've been on the internet. You've watched porn probably. So it's like. Okay. Like, it's, it's not as bad as, like, Cards Against Humanity by any means. Oh, okay. It's much more, like, good. silly and just, like, you know, internet He just really humor. loves memes, so I thought he would like it. Um, so, anyways, there's, like, yoga and face masks, so really self-care related. Um, an iPhone lens, but I just sheet set for an extra luxurious bed. Um, mm. So, that's all interesting. All on Amazon. Pretty much all under 50 bucks. Um, so interesting article, but I would like to know, millennials that are listening, uh, what do you want for the holidays for Christmas uh, or Hanukkah or whatever? We should uh, uh, have Jen Tantian to plug her stuff from BuzzFeed because that's basically her entire job is like writing gift guides yes! for BuzzFeed. Oh my God, I want Jen Tanti's job. Oh yeah, she's going to come. This is the second episode in a row we've like shouted her out. She has to come on the podcast because I took a tour of her office and I saw like the BuzzFeed like behind the scenes analytics and she showed me like some pitches that she's working on and like some articles and stuff and it's basically like the couple articles that she's had out they haven't been like holiday themed like she did one about like products for adult acne and then one about like stuff that's like cat related but she was like yeah like leading up to the holidays because that's like their big push for affiliate marketing which is super fascinating she's going to be putting out like two buzzfeed guides like per week oh my god well if i don't see them i'm gonna look that up and make sure i'm following it today um so just to finish up this i wanted to draw everyone's attention to one of my favorite holiday satires um adequate man which is a dead spin online publication every year does the haters guide to the williams sonoma catalog uh if you haven't seen these you have to look them up they're hysterical um, they're by this year. I mean, I guess they're by a kind of a committee of people, but I'll just like focus. I'll just read one. Um, so here, this is for item number 23-4554320, the Le Crissette Tartan uh, cast iron round oven uh, for the low price of $380. Wow. And in the magazine, it says, uh, copy, special value, tartan pattern appliqued by hand and then refired to create a durable texture finish um and then drew drew marjorie is the name of the guy who does this piece he goes i hope you like tartan because it is the end pattern this christmas everything must be tartan this year the cookware the table linens the ribbons the children yes you must dress (laughs) the children in tartan frocks and not cheap ass tartan frocks either if it is not hand appliqued by a disaffected french factory worker who only shows up to work two days a week it's crap 
by the way, they don't show you the inside of this Dutch oven, snicker, snicker, but if it's not also tartan, I will smash it to pieces. It is not worthy of my braising. Um, so that's just a fun little, um, fun little thing, fun little satire. I encourage everyone to read. Um, I, I love this one here. The Noel table runner retails for about 50 bucks. Um, again, an applique design and Drew says, fuck table runners. There, I said it. A table runner is nothing more than an unfinished tablecloth. Truth. Anyway, would highly recommend. That's funny. And that is my hot topic. Maddie, what do you want for Christmas? What do I want for Christmas? I don't know. I'm really bad. I always like throw together a list for my mom to like circulate around. Like mm-hmm. whenever she like asks me for it, I like sit down and I'm like, oh, anything that I want to buy that like comes to mind. But I don't know. I like, I like, I don't know. Like, I like getting presents, obviously. Like, it's fun. But there's nothing yeah. that I'm like, I need this. Oh, so. Well, what? Well, so you just want world peace? Yeah. Equal pay? Yeah. It's pretty much A it. I'm like, I'm simple. You know? <laughs> yeah. Fun. Okay. Well, Maddie, your campfire topic? Cool. So um, this, I was recently reading, I think it's the most recent episode, of, or the most recent episode, the most recent issue of New York Magazine, which I really like. I think it's, it doesn't have a wide circulation, obviously, outside of New York, but it's a great, um, great magazine, not to be confused with the New Yorker, but uh, equally delightful. And they had an article, um, and it was called... Greta Gerwig is a director, not a muse. And God, I love that. Yes. And for those of you that don't know, this article is very interesting for a lot of reasons. And I think it pretty succinctly kind of talks about millennial sort of creative culture and someone like Greta Gerwig, who's in her 20s. I think she's in her mid 20s. And she um, grew up not in New York and has kind of moved here for college and then made a career out of living here, which I think a lot of millennials have been doing that, like moving to big cities and stuff like that. So in that aspect, it's very relatable. Um, But they talked about her work and she, everyone should Google her because I feel like I didn't really know who she was by the name before reading this, but I looked at pictures of her and I was like, oh yeah, like she's been in stuff and she has one of those faces that like, I think a lot of millennial women look like her. Um, But she was in like Mistress America She's been in some other stuff, and there was this, like, male director who, um, his name is escaping me, but he's not important. And, like, for a while in the industry, she was typecast as his muse, and a lot of people were like, oh, well, she's not, like, a trained actress. Like, he, she's just being used because she's pretty, and she was in a lot of these movies. And this is what I found really interesting, and this is what I cut the excerpt out of that I wanted to talk about was a lot of the movies that she's been in have been very conversational, kind of. They don't seem super scripted, and they're very just, you know, day in the life, and it's not people really dressed up and stuff. And the genre has been deemed mumblecore, which I had not heard of. But from what I've gathered, it's like... It's kind of like the Polly Bleeker character from Juno, where it's like kind of squirrely millennials that are like kind of artsy, maybe a little like weird but they have kind of like quippy dialogue but it's kind of like set under the breath and a lot of these movies like the lines 
seem a little bit improvised and a lot of the actors in these movies that have been deemed to fall into this genre are not traditional actors or a lot of them aren't career actors so the um the excerpt that i wanted to read is this so it says mumblecore was a big deal for a small movement in part for what it seemed to reveal about a certain slice of young college educated mostly white people trying to figure out how they related to the world it was hailed in the times as something that bespeaks a true 21st century sensibility reflective of myspace like social networks and the voyeurism and intimacy of youtube it also signals a paradigm shift in how movies are made and how they find an audience. And then it shifts back to the interview with Greta Gerwig. And it says, Gerwig now physically cringes at the mere mention of the word mumblecore. I just hate it, she said. It feels like a slight every time I hear it. Because of the improvisational quality of these movies and the fact that everyone was non-professional, I have had a bit of an uphill battle just to say I know how to act. I didn't stumble into this. I wasn't just a kid. But she credits her roles in those films... And they cite some of them, Nights nights and Weekends, Hannah Takes the Stairs, Baghead, some of the names. Um, while helping teach her to write, we called them devised films because we'd known the characters and what was supposed to happen in the scenes, but not the words. It was a way of writing while I was acting. So I thought that was really amazing. And I think there's a ton to kind of go off of there. But I think the biggest part was you know, millennials kind of slighted for the work that they're doing and being seen as kind of unprofessional when really like Greta Gerwig was carrying these movies and she got a lot of these movies produced and she's making a really good living for herself, but yet she's not seen as a leading voice or a leading actress and the movies that she was in just because they kind of started filming them with a framework and with actors, but not a set script that they're somehow less professional than other movies, I thought was very interesting. So wanted to get your thoughts on that. Um, I have many thoughts. Uh, first of all, I think Greta Gerwig is fantastic. Uh, Frances Ha is probably one of my, I don't know if I can say one of my favorite oh, yeah. movies. That's the definitely. one I was thinking of that I couldn't yeah. think of. Um, and... Yeah, I mean, I think you you hit the nail on the head when again millennials tend to be out there really working hard and 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 this is what we continue to try to highlight on this podcast is um, millennials can go out there work hard uh, make a ton of money um, and produce something beautiful and yet their work is still not considered worthy for whatever reason um, because of these sweeping stereotypes. Um, the other thing I'm just, and I don't want to keep bringing it, or I don't want to necessarily derail talking about mumblecore and millennials work, but, um, I love, love, love that, you know, the title of this article and I can't wait to go back to read it. I'm also super uh, bummed because I haven't had a chance to see Lady Bird yet. And it's my first, like, I'm not in New York. I can't just walk across the street and see a film that's in limited release. What? Um, I know. I've heard but, it's really good. I lo- And I love Saoirse Ronan. But um, is a director not amused? Because there is in Hollywood, and we're seeing this as the scandals continue to unfold with these powerful men, a young, pretty blonde girl like Greta, you know, is amused, is not... Uh, powerful in her own right and does not have her own agency so um, or that's how the media and how these powerful men tend to want to uh, really 
portray a woman like Greta. So I think it's really powerful that um, Noreen Malone, it says here, who wrote this article, although I'm sure someone at Vulture chose the title, uh, but that, you know, to really label her because everything has to be labeled, which is something, I don't know if that's millennial or just 21st century in the teens as we are, um, but that just by calling her a director and not a muse is a really powerful statement. Yeah, because I think everyone thinks that these, like, and I think the article talks about really well, like, not even just in creative life, but in New York in general, there's these girls that, like, went to college, and I I know these girls, and to a certain extent I am one, where it's, Mm -hmm. like, they come to New York, and they're, like, just kind of flitting around, and, like, they all are like they all seem to be very well dressed and put together but like no one actually knows what they do for work kind of Mm -hmm. thing yeah and so I thought it was a lot of that and I think Lady Bird too just from what I've read of the plot kind of satirizes that a little bit Mm -hmm. um so I thought I just thought it was really interesting and on the headline point too I feel like the more people we talk to that have been in media the more I realize that like headlines are bullshit Mm -hmm. so like from you know, just in life and through this podcast, like headlines are all clickbaity. And I think it goes too when you were talking about everything needs to be labeled. I think it's because attention spans are so much shorter. You need like the quick ways to kind of be like, this is, this is what we're talking about. This is what this article is about. Like to read that full article, this Greta Gerwig article, like it took me a solid like 20 minutes to like yeah. really read through and like digest everything. And this was while I was reading a larger magazine like it probably took me a solid like three or four hours to get through that magazine it's like no one has time for that one magazine out of so many it's like you know it was an indulgence that I did for myself on a Sunday afternoon but like you know to get all the nuances of that article like it touches upon millennial culture and the film industry and life in New York like I just thought it was very well written and I thought Greta Gerwig was a very interesting uh, person to bring into that for sure. I um, I completely agree. And uh, I'm now excited to read the article as well and uh, to see the film hopefully very soon. Yes. Amazing. Well, okay. shall we close or do you have anything else that you want to uh, um, tell our listeners while we're on the mic? I think I'm here. I think I mean here. I think I'm done. <laughs> um, I'm obviously here. Uh, I really have to pee. So I'm starting to get a little distracted. <laughs> well let's close i just uh, wanted to remind people about the patreon the patreon yes please do and also maddie and i we've had some of you guys ask um or be hesitate to uh pledge on the patreon um because you don't want to make an ongoing uh donation um so we've heard that we are kicking around the idea of a kickstarter lol uh so please uh let us know if that's something you're interested yeah. in and if uh you know, if you donate that way. Yeah, you can also, we now have the $1 option. And even if you want to do like the higher options that have prizes, like you can do it for one month and send us an email. Like we see when you pledge and just be like, hey, I pledged and I only want to do it for one month. Remind me when my month is done and we'll tell you or Mm -hmm. we'll like kick you off of it. Like it's not, you know, not the be all end all. You still get the prizes, even if you only do it for one month. But you know, we uh, we hope that, you know, if you're choosing to go the Patreon route that you want to do it. But, you know, if you feel like you're not going to remember to 
take your credit card off it or whatever, we will we will tell you. We will do that service for you. So uh, let me know. Or you can just Venmo me at Maddie. Or, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Don't do that. Venmo us directly. Yeah, no. Uh, I mean, you can, but uh, not not advised. But yeah, not so it. the Patreon, just to go through it again, we have the $1 a month option. Um, that's just a nice way to be like, hey, we're here, you know, $12 a year. It's really not a not a huge investment, but very, very much appreciated. Um, $5 a month, you get um, a sticker, which we will send to you. They're very cool. Uh, $10 a month, you get a pin. Um, what's the next one? 15 uh, $15 a month, you're going to get a handmade oh, yes. print bracelet. Yes, made by some French children that Jenny has harangued into making them. And $25 a month, you get a t-shirt, plus obviously the the next level you go up you get all the prizes before that and you get shout out and you get uh privilege if you want to submit a millennial moment or a hot topic we'll definitely talk about those before we talk about other stuff so there's a lot of cool ways and i think too and i've been uh personally reaching out to people about this an easy way too. like if you're like no i don't want to give maddie and shay money like i feel uncomfortable about that uh leave us a review on iTunes. I see how many people listen to the podcast every week. I have the data. And I also see how many reviews we have. They're not a one-for-one match, people. So that means that there are people out there who have been listening to me say for weeks on end, please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. But what does that really mean? It's the only way that we get into... If you don't leave a review and if you don't rate, there's like literally zero chance that other people will just like stumble upon our podcast on iTunes. And, you know, a lot of people have reached out to me and they're like, I don't know how to do it. I will walk you through. Maybe I'll post a tutorial on Instagram. Ooh, that's what I'll do. do. Um, yeah, I can make like a little video. Um, but it's super easy. You literally go to the podcast and there's a button like next to where you hit subscribe and it says leave a review and you hit five stars, obviously, because you love us. And then, you don't even have to write anything if you don't want, but if you do, if you have some feedback, you can write a little review and then just hit submit. It doesn't have to be under your real name. It doesn't have to be under your Apple ID. You can literally put, you know, from Donald Trump. That would be funny. Um, so it's literally super easy. It takes five seconds and it means the world to us more so than the other stuff at this point. Like we want to be able to break into some of those lists and if someone comes across our podcast and we only have a handful of reviews um it doesn't make us look as legit so please yeah, do that and some you know feedback i think i've received especially from the ancient millennials and older is you know this oh i do want to read it because it said millennial in the title so obvious or listen to it I don't know why I always say read. It must be because I'm just a reader. Um, so if you have friends that really love podcasts, obviously, if you've gotten an hour and change into uh, this episode 23, you are probably an avid listener. Um, but if you have friends and family members who love podcasts but might be turned off by the millennial title, um, let them know that we've gotten rave reviews from people of all generations. And, oh, yeah. Um, the parents love like- us. Yeah, parents love this podcast. So and it's very, you know, we kind of shoot the shit and we talk about ourselves a lot. So if you like us, you know, anyone can love us. Like the, cat, the podcast. All right, Maddie, it's been real. Yay. Uh, yay. Thanks, campers. Um, and we can't wait to talk to you again soon. Woo, happy Thanksgiving. 
Yay, happy Thanksgiving. We're thankful for you. Bye. Thanks for listening. Camp Adulthood is hosted by Maddie Yergi, Resident Youth, and Shay Keats, Camp Adulthood. We are produced by Jenny Mayfield, and this episode was recorded in Maddie's living room. You can find us on social media at camp underscore adulthood. You can email us hello at campadulthood.com, and you can visit us at campadulthood.com. Please also find on our website, there are links to our Patreon page where you can be a subscriber and there are many cool prizes. Thanks, campers. We hope that you enjoy your stay at Camp Adulthood.